This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 494, War for Planet of the Apes. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. This is episode 494. It's our spotlight on War for Planet of the Apes. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and joined once again by... Todd Shenanigans. <laughs> We're going to have many shenanigans today. Um, Are so, we? Well, I, I think we're gonna. I think it's gonna happen. Yeah. Well, there was uh, some shenanigans in the movie we saw today. There were. So we just got back from War for Planet of the Apes. So this is the third of the current trilogy of Planet of the Apes films. Now you've only recently watched the. I did the trilogy. Based on your advice and uh, plug for Chris. Uh, for oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because uh, I knew that the movies had to be somewhat good. Uh, for Chris to push for it That's to be true. so hard. The, 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 and for those who don't know, Chris is the one who typically sleeps through movies at the theater. That's <laughs> so terrible that that's, that's the impression we give of this man, but it's true. So when he said he did not fall asleep in these first two mm-hmm. eight movies, I, I knew that there had to be something here. And he was right. I, I did enjoy them. What did you think of them? Um, and, well, and sorry, I should say... You had no prior background with anything from None, the apes yeah, yeah, at yeah. all? Yeah, I was kind of holding off. It was like, you know, like every... I, I, I was an odd child. I did not watch Star Wars, Star Trek yeah. until, you know, my 20s and stuff. Oh, my God. I wasn't really big into sci-fi. And then okay. I uh, started, you know, just whatever, accepting and mm-hmm. trying it out. And I'm like, oh, wow, there's some really good yeah. themes and stories. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about, you know... The, the apes in this one it's like there's there's like uh, little stories behind the scenes mm. and I think that's what so I really liked the first one my wife I watched it with my wife we both uh, joy and uh, it was it was really good because it was a lot of building uh, for mm-hmm. those who've seen it with Caesar and James Franco oh yeah um, it was a really I guess touching movie but mm-hmm. it, it was done in a good way sure. um, the second movie you could tell that the uh the honeymoon was over. It was more uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, glo- gloves off. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you had Koba, the uh, the arch nemesis of Caesar and best friend. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, he he's both, always, right? Yeah, he's uh, kind of like Judas, <laughs> very much so. And um, he, uh, you know, really set the tone in the, of that number two movie. So, mm-hmm. with the word war in this movie, I kind of yeah. knew that. The, the path it was going to go down. Okay. But I was actually surprised mm-hmm. that there was a lot more um, of that. Like, I guess I find the apes are kind mm-hmm. of what they're trying to do is uh, make them feel like human, where they have mm-hmm. these moments where they're not just barbaric True. creatures and animals. Yeah. And I didn't think I'd see a lot of that in this one, this war movie. Mm-hmm. And it actually turned out not to be about war the whole time at no. all. It no. was, it was more about that, you know that struggle that they were having with the humans mm-hmm. to uh, to become. But you asked me about the first two movies. Oh, no, that's okay. And uh, I liked them. Um, my wife didn't like the violence in the second one. Uh, yeah. But I actually told her first thing I said. I'm like, you would have liked this third movie. Yeah. Uh, even with the the violence, uh, there's action. a lot of uh, a lot of deeper themes. Um, exactly. And the, the quieter moments are definitely played very well. Um, it's interesting to note. So the the second and third movies were both directed by the same individual, yeah. Matt Reeves. So that kind of it feels a very consistent tone between the two movies um the characterization still feels very on point still feels the same um the thing that at times took me out of this movie was that i thought the the shout outs to the original plan of the apes were almost too ham-handed and, see, see and, i wouldn't and get any of these notice. yeah because no, you've never watched the original 
five movies. Like, was this little girl have something to do with this? <sighs> okay. Human... So, I don't know if you caught this. So, when they gave her the Chevy Nova yeah. thing and she kind of... I, really, I didn't really get that. So, I don't know if you noticed that I went, oh, come on. Like, I thought I heard you say something and I was like, is he okay or did he say something? <laughs> but go on. Yeah. So, in the original... Um, there's a character played by Charlton Heston who... Oh, well, uh, this is way back original. Like this 1968. Mark original. No, no. This is 1968. <laughs> okay. So he lands on this planet. Anyways, he ends up having a, a female love interest. Her name is Nova. Uh, so I was just like, oh, yeah. Like, I don't need this. Because it's not obviously going to connect to that character. So I just felt it was an odd thing. Um, one thing I was really split on, or, or I'm not sure how I feel about, is the idea that the virus has... Um, has mutated. Adapted, yeah. And that now people who had the virus and weren't being affected noticeably are actually starting to lose their speech and kind of become more primitive. That's not part of the original... Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> so that's the thing. So that's that's the reason why I kind of rolled my eyes when it started happening. Not cause, like on its own. I did think you it's see it of, happening? Like, did you anticipate this happening? So I'm going to go back. So, <laughs> so do you mind if I spoil the no. original Planet of the Apes for you? I'm not going to watch that anytime okay. soon. Okay, so that, well, you should, because it's something. It, it's interesting. It's an interesting arc of movies. Maybe a podcast um, in the future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, episode, so in 1968, I believe it's 68, um, they had the original Planet of the Apes movie, and the idea was you had these three astronauts went into space, and then basically, I don't know if it's supposed to be like a wormhole or what happens, I can't remember, it's been a long time, but they end up accidentally, they think that they travel way, well they do, travel way into, into the future. And so they crash land on this planet, they're in the water, they swim ashore, they lose their ship, it's, in, it's at the end of the, it's in the, gone, yeah, deep, deep in, in the deep blue sea. <laughs> and, so they, they take, and so they try to find any signs of life, and they find human beings. Human beings cannot speak, mm. very primitive, and they're like, and mm. then they see these apes coming who are on horseback, and they start shooting at them. Anyways, I believe two of them are killed, and then the protagonist by Charles Heston gets shot, I believe he gets shot in the neck. Uh, so anyways, he can't talk for most of the film, and then eventually he can, and so him and the other humans are put into a pen, kind of like what the, the uh, apes were in this one, mm-hmm. and they're kind of being studied uh, like as, as lab projects by these very civilized apes uh, who view the humans as uh, very much a, a beast. Uh, and then the fact that this one can speak is very you know, revelatory to them. Mm-hmm. And the names of the two scientists that look after him are Cornelius and Zero. Ah, Cornelius, his son, son. in this one. Yeah. Um, so that that's like a, a theme that continues. Throwback. A lot of throwbacks like that. And it was, was he Cornelius named in the second one? I don't recall. I don't him think having he was. Yeah. The minute they mentioned a hero, it was like uh. Cornelius. Of course, it's Cornelius because <laughs> the original trilogy. But I don't think they named him in the last yeah. one. Um, so the idea is that you have these people. So that's why the idea of the humans being mute is something that was in the original. Um, and so Taylor, uh, the character played by Charles Heston, gets introduced to this other female, Nova, uh, because the, the chimpanzees... Who was infected with the, the... Who also couldn't speak, speak in this. Yeah, who okay. didn't seem primitive, yeah, though. Yeah. But maybe she was born that way. And maybe that's how they get around it. Because not all humans were necessarily primitive in the, uh, the future, but they all lack speech. Mm-hmm. So the idea was that they wanted to push this uh, this man and this woman together to make these these humans mate to see what would happen. And he's like, I'm not doing this, whatever. Uh, there's a lot of subplots in the Planet of the Apes movie. The fact that there's different kind of casts. There's chimpanzees, there's orangutans, mm-hmm. uh, there's um, gorillas, and they're all kind of... Are you still referring to the original? The original. Okay, yeah. And we're kind of seeing that here, too. Yeah. The, the gorillas in the original were very much the military. 
Um, you had the scientists for the chim- were the orangutans and the chimpanzees. Hmm. Uh, at the end of the original Planet of the Apes movie, Taylor is able to escape. Um, he finds evidence of there being an older civilization of humans, and then at the very end finds the Statue of Liberty that's been downed on the ground, and he realizes that he went to the future, but he's not in somewhere distant in the, in, in the galaxy, but he's actually on Earth all along, and that eventually humanity destroyed themselves and created what has now been the downside of the human race, that they're just primitives, and now the apes have become the dominant race. The remaining parts of the trilogy, this is where some of the building blocks for what we're seeing here. So if you ever watch these movies, you'll be like, whoa, they yeah. took so many elements. Is that in the second movie, which is kind of a throwaway, not very good, um, Charles Heston's barely in it, but the idea is that there's a nuclear bomb basically that's underground and it ends up blowing up at the end of the movie. That's a big spoiler for a movie from 1970. <laughs> but they decided people like Planet of the Apes movies, let's do a third one. And, but they're like, well, we blew up the Earth. How do we do that? So they decide that they retroactively say that the main characters, or uh, two of the ape characters from the original movie, currently lives on a spaceship, got in Zero, got on the spaceship that, oh, was, dear. that, that landed big. in the second one. <laughs> they got in the spaceship just as the Earth was exploding of and course. they were pushed back in time. Now, the idea is in the third one, is called Escape from Planet of the Apes, that they land on Earth and... Uh, they end up getting discovered as these these chimp, talking these talking apes. apes. Yeah. Uh, they have a child. They end up dying at the end of the movie, but their child is Caesar, huh. and he gets taken in by a circus. And in the fourth movie, it's years later. Um, there's been I can't remember what's supposed to have happened, but dogs and cats have died. Now the only pets that people have basically are, are monkeys, and monkeys have started taking over rudimentary functions in labs and factories, etc. Kind of again the way we're kind of seeing them here, they're being used for labor. So that we're seeing that in Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, and then eventually Caesar rallies the apes to fight against the humans and overthrow them. You bring up a good point, because uh, I never really picked up on it in the second movie, but it was definitely evident in the third movie. The mm-hmm. only animals that seemed to have survived were apes and horses. <laughs> yeah, you and, don't ever or, see They don't really, like, you never hear a bird, you never see any other, like, wildlife. Like, they're in the like the wild a lot. Yeah, well, we see them... Did the like, virus do they, something? They've obviously been eating, so we're assuming yeah. that there's still, like, food out there. Like, yeah. We've never seen anything in the new movies to suggest that they're, it's really damaging the other ecosystems. Um, but I think the apes are vegetarian. I get the I get the sense that they're vegetarian. Yeah. Like they were being fed grain. Well, that's because that's what they gave. Yeah. Them. If you're starving and you haven't eaten, you're going to eat whatever they give you, right? Like if true. I like I'm, you're gluten free, you're going to eat gluten if you haven't eaten in two weeks. It's true, right? Like even it though it's a sin with the Vatican right now, is it? Yeah, you didn't. Listen. No. Yeah, yeah. They just said uh, you can't use gluten free hosts with uh, really? if you're Catholic. And, Interesting. And, uh, yeah, it was just a little. Interesting oh. thing because it, it has to be authentic. I <laughs> uh, think about this movie. There's a lot of religious parallels. Um, I mean, Caesar's kind of Moses. He brings his people through the desert to find the promised land. Um, also, there's interesting uh, kind of um, uh, juxtaposition that you have Caesar. So Julius Caesar put people on the cross. So here you have Caesar mm-hmm. on the cross, which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of flipping the script, so to speak. 
Uh, there's a, but there's a, yeah, there's a lot of allegories in this movie, more than I would have expected. Uh, I really enjoyed the film. I thought it was a great ending to a trilogy. Like, usually trilogies don't end this strong. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are saying it might be the best ending of a trilogy that people have seen, because mm-hmm. uh, they usually don't end those perfectly. Uh, we might get more Planet of the Apes movies, but this is definitely the end of Caesar's story, yeah. um, which is very fitting. And, uh, yeah, uh, I liked it a lot. But the, the references to the original did make roll my eyes a little. Yeah. Uh, because I was like, it doesn't need to be here, but... But I'm like, you know what? Not everyone knows the original trilogy that well. So if you didn't know, you'd be fine. Like, you, you weren't bothered by any of it. I wasn't. No. I, yeah, I honestly didn't pick up on any of that. I was a little um, bewildered, though. Like, I, I was. I guess I was kind of, like, confused. It, um, were the humans eventually going to become apes? or like, no. like Or was it... Uh, why were they losing their voices uh, and why were the apes gaining voices yeah <laughs> i think they were i think they were, they really only threw that in as a nod to the original mm-hmm. because in the original the original so it's interesting it's a sign of the times so in the 60s cold war the idea of there being a nuclear Armageddon was the biggest concern, right? So the whole plot of that is that there was basically that there was nuclear war. It mutated people and regressed them, and it happened to uh, advance apes. Just the luck of the draw with the, the radiation fallout, and this is le- eventually led to this different society. That's basically the, the concept of the original Planet of the Apes movies. Now, in the current ecosystem, nuclear war isn't as big a deal, but biological warfare is in genetic engineering. So that's why everything that comes from the apes kind of becoming more dominant in these movies is because of a virus that's created in a lab as opposed to uh, nuclear warfare. So it's very much a sign of the time. So it's interesting updating, but they're also kind of trying to shoo in the way it used to be. I'm pretty sure actually in the first movie, there was a very throw a reference to a spaceship going up uh, with uh, an astronaut named Taylor, which again is a tie mm. with the original. I can't remember that for sure, but I'm pretty sure there's a, a very brief throwaway comment in the original. Um, but this is such a different continuity that it's not the same. Of course, yeah. It's very different. But I think that's why they went the, the whole weird virus route. And I don't know why it's making apes being able to talk. Um, I like the idea of it being apes being able to be super smart. Um, giving them speech and taking away speech in humans is kind of a weird, arbitrary thing to give this virus, but uh, it works for the internal logic of the film and definitely makes the characters uh, act in different ways. Like, what did you think of the colonel as a villain? I liked him. I thought he was, you know, um, he had some pretty uh, uh, badass scenes, like mm-hmm. when he was at the top there shaving his, his head. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was pretty, uh, you know, I've seen that. I feel like I've seen that in a movie before, but mm-hmm. I liked it. And, uh, you know, he just exuded, mm-hmm. like, raw power. Like, he, sure. was, he was the leader. It's interesting, too, because that could have easily, he could have been a cliche villain, right? Mm-hmm. And I felt they, I mean, he was obviously a little bit nuts, but... Uh, they definitely gave him a lot of pathos, like that scene with him and Caesar and him talking about his son. Mm. That's affecting. That, that's really crazy stuff. Like I like that in the past two films, even when he had Gary Oldman, it felt natural that like this is why he acts this way. Like it didn't ever feel like they were mustache twirling villains. It felt like they had a point of view as a reason why they did what they did and why they thought they were right. And they're not necessarily out, out, outright villains. Like you, you can understand why they make the decisions they do. Obviously, we're meant to side with Caesar. Uh, because he's kind of the more, um, you know, he, he's just very sophisticated in the way he seems to approach most pro- most problems. But I mean, well, I think uh, 
we appreciate what he's 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 had so many attempts to try to right the wrongs of True. the apes and try to make amends, mm-hmm. and every time he gets screwed over pretty much a lot. Yeah, yeah, but it, but he always kind of rises above and keeps to being this very noble person. It's interesting to see, like, you, you understand why Gary Oldman wants to blow the dam, you know? Like, he's doing it for his people. He's doing it because he thinks it's us or them. And uh, at that time, at that point, I forget his name, Malcolm wants to believe that it doesn't have to be us or them. We can coexist. Um, but Gary Oldman's like, no, we, that can't be. And here, obviously, the colonel's like, we need to destroy you because you're the reason why this is happening. Though, realistically, if everyone's a carrier of this virus, they're eventually going to... It could mutate anyway. Like it doesn't necessarily just happen from exposure to other other apes. But uh, you understand why he feels the way he does. I know we're kind of jumping all over the place, but do you feel that the colonel uh, the colonel loses his voice? He, he gets yes. exposed to the the virus. Interesting timing. That Very the convenient. little the little doll that he got from, mm-hmm. or that he took from the girl, mm. they, they even like panned to it. It was like, okay, are you implying that he got the virus off of this little cloth doll? I mean, <laughs> well, I think the implication there is more Caesar's patient zero, right? Like yes. he was the first person who's ever the first ape who's ever infected with us. Yeah, well, not the first, he but may he was, radiate it more than anyone because he was actually born with it as yeah. opposed to most other apes. So he. And then he had an evening with this doll. That sounds wrong, but <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like he spent more prolonged time with this doll. So I think the implication there is that the colonel thinks and the that girl that's touched why. it, and the girl had it. So I looked yeah. at it from that. Like I, I, I it's true. But, but the guy does. The colonel doesn't know, right? And I think no. that's part of why they they do it. That more than what the colonel's thinking. The yeah. colonel thinks that it's because of Caesar that he's now lost his voice and he's going to go primitive. What I was surprised about is I actually did think that Caesar was going to kill him. But I thought he was going to put him down and maybe say something that I do this out of mercy. Because they had the whole conversation before they did, about mercy, yeah. right? And so I thought there would have been a big difference between uh, Caesar killing him out of vengeance versus mercy. And the idea that he was doing it to save him from something else. And and while I, I, I think that's true, mm-hmm. I think the theme of Caesar, the whole movie, fighting to be like Koba or think, thought he was like Koba mm. was stronger. And he eventually... It would still make him different, though. And that's why I think that if he had said, I do this out of mercy, not vengeance, or just said, I do this out of mercy, that still would differentiate him from Koba. Because Koba would not give anyone mercy. No. Like, the whole essence of that character was, they have tortured me, I will torture them. Yeah, you know, they, they very much eye for an eye, which is fitting for someone who's heavily yeah. scarred. Like he was, he was very much like these are ugliest monkey ever. He was. <laughs> but that being said, Koba had you understood why he did that. Like he wasn't really like an evil character. He was a character who was formed by the torture. Like as they said in in the second movie, uh, Caesar was was raised on, on love from humans. He got to see the, the good side. He also experienced the bad side, but he also got raised in a loving home where and these humans treated him well, whereas Koba only ever knew the bad part of science. He he, he, yeah, he grew was, up on that, yeah. which is awful. Like, and But what I really appreciate about these movies is that there's no one who's, besides the uh, really dick zoologists or whoever... Oh. In the first movie, I think Brian Cox was the yeah, main one. Yeah, they're the only real outright villains. Yeah, I think because they're just assholes. But everyone else is, for the most no, part. No, there was a guy in number two. I was happy. Was I was happy they Which killed guy? him. He was one of the military that okay. um, he got. He ended up getting killed by Koba because he was he was told to be, go back oh, to the truck. Yeah, yeah. So he's the one who originally shot. Yes, I think yeah. Koba's son. Yeah, I think he shot. So. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He shot Ash. I think. Y- yes. 
Yeah, I guess he. But he he wasn't really like a villain. He was a bit prejudiced. But again, I, I what I like about these movies is that I don't think that there's anyone who's an outright, you know, just a villain, just a horrible person. I think for the most part, I think they, Koba was the villain in number two. He was, but yeah. I. But that's what I mean. Like even though he was he was the antagonist, and so that's mm-hmm. I'm not going to say he was the villain. He yeah. was the antagonist because you understood his perspective as whoever warped it might have been. It was because he was tortured his entire early life. Why would he ever want to give humans a try? Like a, a chance. Like, again, he didn't get to see the good side, which is what Caesar did. So you understand why people like would have followed Coba because Coba's like, this is what they did to me. They're going to do it to you. We can't trust these people. They're only going to shoot us and hurt us. And in one way, he was right. <laughs> he was right. And, and, and Caesar, it was more like they're... Caesar's big point was we just want peace. We don't want this mm-hmm. war, and that's what he says to the colonel here, is that we didn't, we didn't start this. And I think that's a challenge that in the real world exists today, where mm. there are a lot of people that want peace, but there's also a lot of people that won't allow peace. No, or they, w- they won't let it go. Yeah. You know? like, and, and so this movie had a lot of, as I said, religious kind of aspects to it. Mm. I mean, it's very much that, you know, that Caesar is this character who's meant to take his people to the promised land and protect them. And he very much puts himself in that light that all he wants to do is protect them and save them. Um, this movie had surprising comic relief <laughs> um, with uh, with Bad Monkey, yeah, or Bad, Bad Ape, Bad Ape, sorry. Bad, Ape. Bad Ape, which was very funny. Steve Zahn, it was he, the uh, yeah, voice I saw that. It, yeah, it perfect. Yeah, um, it was such an interesting choice too when you have him and Maurice and the girl, and I'm like, how do these three communicate with each other? You know, because like. You have Maurice and... Maurice could talk a little. He proved it a little bit. At the end. Yeah. He hadn't really up until that point. So how was he... It's hard for him to communicate with uh, Bad Ape because Bad Ape can't sign. Bad Ape can talk, but then you have the mute girl who's learning how to do sign language. Yeah. It was a very interesting combination. I liked how they kind of worked with those three because they're such a, a weird, motley crew of people. Yeah. Like, that's... It was a movie that definitely went in directions I didn't expect it to. The fact that they had this camp... Um, and you had the apes kind of toiling away as slave labor. Really interesting stuff, and not what I expected from the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. But I liked it. I liked that a lot. And I, again, I like that you have the idea that there's other smart apes out there, that the simian flu action would probably transformed other apes as well, which uh, speaks to a concern I had, which was, is it just this small little enclave of apes, or is it more? Yeah, because the whole movie really centralizes around California, because that's where Caesar, the zoo, was from and everything. Well, the original, because uh, where are they now? Because they're, where, uh, where it was, was that? California, it was California Where's border. The, where the snow? Yeah, uh, well, that's that was the odd thing, because they started out south, yeah. south California, and then they got really cold really fast. Well, I mean, I guess they were in San Francisco right, originally, right? So that's, I mean, that's more north than L.A. and San Diego. Yeah. So it's already in the kind of the, the upper half, I would say, of, of California. So yeah, I guess they eventually moved forward. I yeah. mean, there was I don't do you know where the Sierra Zoo is from? Because no, that no. was where uh, Bad Ape was from. I, I don't know my uh, my, my. I'm just saying. My geography. If we, if we well googled Sierra Zoo, we would probably get an idea. Of where You're it's correct. From. Listeners, where is the Sierra Zoo? Yeah, where is the Sierra Zoo? <laughs> yeah, oh, that, that's curious. You're right. One thing I wonder as well at the end is that they go through the desert. So what, where is that desert? Is that supposed to be like Arizona? But that'd be more south. Like, where is this desert? I feel like, I felt like, I was like, oh, they must be going to Canada. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, but they would be going through a desert. No, no. Right? Yeah. So, and um, one thing I'm wondering as well, because they're, obviously they're trying to make some connections to the original. So I was wondering, like, are they trying to kind of make it so that it's 
where the cradle of the original ape civilization was supposed to start. But again, that's supposed to be, for, for the most part, near New York because New York's mm-hmm. where the Statue of Liberty is. And eventually, Taylor goes up the coast and finds the Statue of Liberty. So it's such a huge geographical difference that they can't really be trying to connect them. Um, you really should watch the originals. <laughs> I mean, they're not great movies. They're fun movies, but they're not great. I mean, I didn't actually say my original history with the movies. Um, back in, I think, the late 90s, uh, when they first introduced the Space Channel in Canada, so which has been around for a long time now, at least 20 years, I think. Yeah. But when it first came out, they had like certain... I, I, maybe they didn't have a huge catalog of stuff that they could get, but they decided that every Sunday, I think it was, they had, they had uh, for a few months, or a couple weeks, I guess, they had a different Planet of the Apes movie. So I watched mm. the first one, and the next week it was the second one. Anyways, I didn't realize at the time that there was only five, but then every week there was still more ape stuff, and it was because there was a short-lived television series. I didn't know that at the time, because I was not paying attention to those things. So every week I saw more and more ape stuff. So I've seen all this stuff, and, wow. I, and I recorded it all. I never I, knew this about you, Adam. I know. <laughs> I, I really like the Planet of the Apes movies. It's been a long time since I've watched them all, and I remember when 2001 came around, they had the Tim Burton reboot, and I was so excited about it, and it doesn't make a lot of sense uh, it looks better than the original it has some nice shout outs to the original um, but it's not a great movie um, and the ending makes absolutely no sense but I feel like you should watch it one day just well to, I may just just do that. sit down and yeah. watch it it feels very much of the time because it's like a younger Mark Wahlberg you got a Stella Warren I don't know if you remember her she no. was like a big model at the time was uh, okay. trying to break into acting as well um, Look at Helena Bonham Carter's in it. Well, of course she's in it. It's a Tim Burton movie. She's mm. in almost everything he does. Uh, it has some good good points, and the the makeup it looks great. I think Tim Roth is one of the villains, uh, but not oh, a like it, but not a great movie. And then we got these, and these are so much better than than the Tim Burton verse. Um, but uh, I'm, yeah, I've always been a big fan of the the Planet of the Apes movies. These are the best versions of them because I mean they're. Caesar's such a great character and like he does Andy Serkis does so much with so little like he doesn't necessarily have to speak a lot for you to understand I had no idea he was the voice I was like oh Andy Serkis like he must he's also the mocap he's the mocap guy mocap sorry motion capture so he's like the guy he was Gollum yeah Yeah, like he's he's the guy like yeah yeah, I mean he's he's done so much motion capture he's pioneered that field like he is Mm. kind of the one that everyone they call points at yeah and says that he's the the guy if you want to know anything about motion capture you talk to him like he he's also he doesn't you don't usually see his face that often. So no, yeah. He's in... Uh, I'm trying to picture him right now. So and, uh, you probably haven't seen this, but a movie that my wife loves, and as well as my mom, uh, they love 13 going on 30. I have seen it. Okay. My wife he, loves it too. Okay, so he plays the boss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the boss that they have, that's Andy Serkis. Okay, so yeah. I wonder what he looks like. I, no, I vaguely... He was, he was also in uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was Claw, um, a, a character named Ulysses Claw, who... Uh, gets interrogated by Ultron. I think he gets his hand sliced off. And in the trailers for Black Panther, he's also in there because he's one of the villains in the Black Panther movie. Uh, so you get to see him actually in, in person and not just hearing his voice or seeing his mocap work. Uh, but he's a really interesting actor. He's Again, he's amazing in that field. And uh, the animation on Caesar is just breathtaking. Like, he's... Like his face and all of his features and the way he moves, like you forget you're watching animation. Yeah, you really think you're just watching people with makeup, but yeah. you're not, obviously. But yeah. I was surprised they didn't name anyone Doctor Doctor Zaius. That's one of the most <laughs> classic names for one of the Planet of the Apes uh, characters. Uh, if you've ever seen, 
Uh, the Simpsons had an episode where they had a Planet of the Apes kind of musical. Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember this? No. No. Okay. Well, I won't say anything more. <laughs> there, was a, there, there was the idea that there was a musical stage based on Planet of the Apes at that point, and it was very funny. And uh, it had a whole song about Dr. Zayas, who, again, is a character from the original. I feel like I'm just talking to myself because I feel so bad you haven't seen this. No, no, that's fine. Seen uh, this stuff. I, I would comment more on the originals, but I'm more excited about like the, what we just saw. Yeah. Uh, no. I have a couple questions uh, about the current one. Maybe you can fill in some blanks. So, sure. Um, uh, one uh, since we're talking names, Lake uh, was nothing in the original. It's no, just a not random that name. I know of. No. Yeah, okay, that was the the girl that was going to watch over. Yeah, dating. He was dating um, uh, Blue Eyes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Interesting um, names. Eh? Blue Eyes, and he goes from Blue Eyes to Cornelius. <laughs> like that's a that's a big difference. Yeah. Well. Um, I was happy that uh, Maurice uh, survived. Uh, I love Maurice. Maurice is a great character. He was really good in this one too. Yeah. Like, again, I, I let. He's been good in all three. He's been really solid. I liked um, Caesar's kind of uh, his his compadres that kind of set out with him on his mission. Obviously, we lose one of them well, very I, quickly. Uh, sorry to take away, but yep. I, I, when I saw them together, I'm like, oh, the four horsemen. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a, a very interesting point. I just don't yeah. know if they even tried any of that, but it was very interesting, no, very was, fitting that the four of them... For sure. The quartet. I was sad to see one of them die so It was, so, yeah. So this is, a, again, something I mentioned about the original and why I'm, I'm intrigued the more we see more different types of apes. Because in the original one, we really just... Sorry. In Rise, the Planet of the Apes, we really just saw chimpanzees and Maurice. So... Caesar's a chimpanzee? No. He's yes. Uh, yes? I believe he is a chimpanzee. Okay. Is he not? Well, chimpanzees, I thought, were more like... But, again, he's more humanized than yeah. anyone. I think he's a chimpanzee. Or Actually, no. I thought Maurice was a chimpanzee. No, I thought Maurice was a orangutan. Okay, yeah, that's right, orangutan. So... I don't know much about I, my... Yeah, I don't know, I know about gorillas. Apes. We're such ape uh, racists, yeah. you know? Like, it's terrible. Like, we, uh, we, we, that ape is really a monkey, I would say. And he's bald. <laughs> yeah, but they do have bald monkeys. Again, that seems like a racist term almost. It's so terrible. Um, I like that we got to see more, because we had the, the white ape, uh, Winter. Yeah. That which was uh, turned cool. out, yeah, did not go well for him. No, no. Uh, the whole idea of them being like the, the the donkeys and the slaves was was hard to watch at times. Cause so, um, why donkey? Uh, is there some kind of connection to Donkey Kong here? Because I saw like, oh. when, I saw when they entered in uh, the, the, the signs that the humans had written down, or even yeah. at the beginning of the movie, they had all of those war messages in the back, the back of the helmets. helmets yeah. They were like, we're coming for you, King Kong, and yeah, things yeah. like that. So I don't know if that was a reference to Donkey Kong. I hadn't even put that together, so I think you're right. Okay. I think that's exactly what it is. Uh, man, that's so was Donkey Kong uh, a slave to humans or a, 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 a fan to humans? Uh, well, if you think back to the original... Like, he the fought Godzilla. Godzilla. <laughs> the original... Well, that's King Kong. Oh, King Kong, right. yeah, sorry. The original Donkey Kong video game has... Um, Donkey Kong was the one who was like keeping the princess hostage yeah. and Mary had to save her so I guess I don't know actually that's very interesting I hadn't even thought of that at all I yeah. was thinking more because like it's some sort of kind of diminutive now, idea well monkey donkey they had the same thing except MD right True, so yeah. there might be just they're just called them that to differentiate yeah, from I guess it, right? and donkeys are are very much like Used as a mule, like a, yeah, you know, uses mule and it means to an end. That's very curious. I don't know why. 
it was hard to watch when they were used as slaves. Like, it's hard. Yeah. It's interesting, too, because that's, like, a whole a whole extra layer that we never got before was that the idea that now you have these, you know, it's basically like a, a war for freedom between um, the apes and the humans, and then you have ape turncoats basically turn on their kind and uh, have supplicated themselves to their masters so that they can get hopefully survive and get preferential treatment, which is such an interesting new layer that I would not have thought to add. I really, en- I really enjoyed the opening sequence. Like it was like you, you could tell by the music something was going to happen. Yeah. Like the humans were creeping up the mountain; mm-hmm. they were going to try to take over the apes, and then. I was like, oh, you know, are they going to get caught because mm-hmm. they have apes in the trees? And then when the one donkey yeah. put his hand on the human, and I was just like, oh, dear, here we go. And then all of a sudden he's helping him out. I'm like, yeah. oh, whoa, where did this come from? Yeah, yeah. Only to find out later on that these were Koba's men, the turncoats, which was, I liked how they played that a, together. Oh, excellent. That yeah. was a fantastic way of kind of making it make sense. That, they, you know, not everyone followed Caesar and those who didn't. But it's interesting because Koba's men... I guess the idea is that they had nowhere else to go. Yeah. And that they were either going to die or they had to do what they had to do to survive. But it kind of is stretching it a bit because if I was a human, how would I trust one monkey from another, right? And the yeah. the ending, uh, which I thought was interesting because let me just kind of uh, marry the two scenes. So at the beginning... Mm-hmm. Um, Caesar shows mercy by letting four or five humans yeah. go back as a message back a to message, the colonel. Yeah. And the one guy um, who I always thought was going to come back to a big scene did in the end. He's the one that uh, mm. k- killed Caesar in the Basically, end. Basically, by extension, yeah. Yeah, with the, the arrow. Um, but he didn't... I thought he was going to be the one that was going to show mercy. And yeah. then it ended up being the donkey, the, the one of Copa's men, who the yeah. whole movie was like completely... Um, I like that. Caesar felt, kept like chipping yeah. away at him, and that in the end, very much he earned. snapped. He yeah, kind of, he kind of snapped because he saw the humans killing other humans. He saw them killing the apes. Yeah, and he's just like, "What am I doing here?" Mm. Well, and I think the big thing there too is that when they're mowing down or trying to mow down the apes at the end, uh, it's not an act of war. They're not actually hurting anyone. They're f- literally just fleeing. Like there's like it's it's one thing when they're fighting each other and they're you know it's either kill or be killed. But when literally there would be nothing if they let them run, they would nothing bad would happen necessarily. Um, I think that may have been part of the breaking point as well. But it didn't need to be a war at that point. It could just you know, they could have just let them go, especially because they were already under siege from other humans, uh, which is interesting too that they that the other humans kind of kind of come in and then get wiped out by <laughs> the avalanche. avalanche. Yeah. yeah. Which, Which I like. All of the monkeys got up into the trees. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Like They can avoid it. And I like that, you know, they show that it's not easy to avoid an avalanche even if you're climbing in trees, but it's pretty cool. It was, um, I really liked the ending uh, part both from the, well, I liked the ending. Okay. Don't get me wrong. It was bittersweet in the very end. Because Caesar dies. But yeah, of course. But the part that... Um, he didn't get to raise his son. No, he didn't. But he left the message to Maurice to, you know, let him know who he mm-hmm. was. And Maurice even said, your son knows who you are. Yeah. Uh, which was great. But the scene where uh, he he eluded the, the explosion and went through the tunnel mm-hmm. and then came out and all of the humans were cheering. That You know, they just arrived. And there was thousands, like oh, way yeah. more than Colonel's crew. Yeah. And all of a sudden they see him. And I'm like, whoa, what's going to go on? Yeah. And, and like you can tell, he doesn't even care 
and you hear the rumble, you hear the rumble, yeah. and all of a sudden, everybody gets buried. This is a stupid question, but the avalanche, is that because of the water? Oh, uh, yeah, I would say it's because of the bomb, like the, the shock oh, the bomb, wave, man. like from when well, he let go that, the, the tanker, the oil tanker yeah. that set off shock waves. So here's my question. So what was the point of the water? Because they showed that like the, the, the dam or whatever, like it was starting to seep in, like the water was starting to come into the, uh, the entryways under where all the apes were being kept. Was that literally just as a reason to show why the apes had to go now? Or did it actually have an impact on what ended up happening? Like, what was the point of that? Um, well, it made it harder to get the children out because oh. there was two, it was 37 feet and 55 gotcha. feet from and the initial hole okay. and it blocked their way. So they had to come up with an alternative plan. I felt like it was going to do something else, like something more destructive because like that, it felt like it meant more than just, Oh, we can't get the, ch- the children because the ch- getting the children ended up being pretty easy. And they all seem to survive, which is fitting. You never want to see a baby ape die. You don't want to see baby ape die. That's just sad. I don't want to see my. I don't want to see children die. Yeah. Um, and obviously Nova survives because again she's a child. I was wondering if she was going to survive. So, though. is Nova the last human? <laughs> no, because the idea is that there's still more. Right. Yeah. There's still there's still other humans out there. Like, there's probably more apes because I well, feel like these are just the American apes. True. <laughs> well, in in the original in, sorry, in the last movie, didn't they say only one in five hundred survived from the virus, which would still make it millions of humans alive? Um, but obviously, they're dying because of you know poor infrastructure. Things have you know collapsed. They maybe don't have access to food, etc. Now they have this accelerated virus, so that even if they did survive, now they're going to lose their speech and their their upper brain functions. But I'm curious how many humans are still alive because they never really talk about it. And I'm curious to know. Um, but did you ever watch the TV show very shortly, the Revolution? <laughs> no. Great premise. The idea is that. <laughs> Uh, basically, all power goes out. At the, um, like on one day, something happens, and all the power in the world goes out, and everyone kind of regresses, or not regresses, but some people survive and some people don't because now there's no power in the world. So everyone has to kind of figure out new ways to survive. Uh, a lot of people end up dying, but a lot of people survive, and it's just what happens to the United States at that point if there's no infrastructure, if there's no way to communicate. Um, who, you know what kind of become, what new fiefdoms kind of arise, what. Uh, aspects of the military take over uh, who you know what does everything look like when this happens so that definitely made me think of that that when all the power goes out and people have died so both things have happened because we saw in the last movie they didn't really have access to power at least in San Francisco because there was no power being yeah. generated anywhere nuclear power was gone yeah. and they had no the dams were they used the dam to that was the only the way to get any power yeah. right so the idea is that not only have you had all this infrastructure collapse you've also had one in 500 people die or 499 of 500 people die so you only have a fraction of the, of the remainder left so it's just an interesting idea of what really exists of humanity and we don't really get a good sense of that in this movie the last movie definitely was more of an exploration of what happens to the survivors. This one just was more of, this is what happens to the military. I think you leave this movie thinking that it's now the apes planet, um, in a, to a certain degree. Because yeah. if um, the humans don't end up killing themselves, the virus is going to make them, uh, make them more primitive. primitive. Yeah. But 
I'll have to say, um, they didn't paint the young girl, Nova, as a victim in this movie. If anything, she had found a new family. Uh, it was almost like Jungle Book-esque in the sense. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and you didn't get the sense that she was going to suffer as a result of her father mm. dying and having nobody except for but Maurice. That's the part that didn't quite work for me, though. Yeah. Is that her dad dies. Was it was Caesar that killed him, too, right? They all did. Didn't they all shoot him? Uh, I guess, yeah. It was, it was a quick scene. It was very he quick. Was gonna, he was going to shoot them. It was kind of like a, um, oh, a sure. Western, like, you know, oh, yeah. quick, quick he, of the draw. He, he was trying to pull out his gun as he, excuse me, dropped all the, all the wood. Um, that was interesting because I almost wanted to believe that it almost wasn't her father, just because she didn't seem to have that much mm-hmm. of an emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe that's them saying sure. that she's a little bit more primitive and not as emotional, but they don't in any other way play her up as being primitive. Like she seems pretty smart. Yeah. Um, well, compared not only that, to others. she was getting, she was learning as the movie went on. Yeah. She was picking up on the sign language. So I'm, I want to think that that's because she, she was born after the virus, obviously like she's young enough. Yes. Like, 15 like, years. No, we're not exactly sure where the timeline is because, well, 15, cause they said that in the, in the new yeah. movie at the beginning. So if it's been 15 years, she's younger than that. Yeah. So it's, she was born after the outbreak. Um, which is something where's her mom <laughs> died. Yeah. You know, I mean like that, you know, she died of the virus died of anything, right? Like if they don't have access to good medical care, maybe it was a bad pregnancy and she died. Like that used to happen all the time back yeah. before they actually knew how and to And most likely if she stuff. was born after the virus, she was not born in a hospital or anything. No, she was probably just born at home. Like, on the run or something. Yeah. So maybe she was born like this. Maybe she was born mute. Like, yeah. But then she doesn't necessarily get the, uh, the, the primitive you know, kind of uh, aspect of the virus. There's a lot of questions that are kind of open about that. I guess they were going for the whole connection to the original trilogy of the movie, which I didn't Mm -hmm. get. And I guess what I struggled with in this movie was, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, the apes learnt from the humans on how to talk. And yet Mm -hmm. humans were losing the ability to talk, even though other humans were talking around them. And it was just like, how does that happen? But I guess the, in the virus was doing this. <laughs> yeah, in the original movie, again, because it was supposed to be like like hundreds of years earlier, I think, um, this idea of this this nuclear kind of fallout, that it had mutated people. In fact, it had made some people telepathic, and it also had made other people kind of lose the gift of speech. The idea that... Um, they, they couldn't speak, and also they lost kind of the higher brain functions to even formulate speech. So it was kind of a combination of the two. Uh, this one definitely feels like a little bit more of a stretch uh, for some reason, because it seems like it was almost like an afterthought to tie it into the original movies to get humanity to the right spot. Um, and, and it wasn't just that they couldn't speak. They couldn't make noise. Like, they were, they were mute. They were muted. Well, the girl made some noise. Like uh, she could yell. Oh yeah, I guess I guess yeah, she did. Yeah, um, and, and Woody Harrelson, the Colonel, did. He was making sound sounds. Yeah. Well, although he was just kind of coming down with yeah. it, so you could kind of a, you know. Well, the the other one that was shot uh, along the path was also making a lot of noise yeah. too, right? So you could still make noise. They just couldn't formulate actual speech, and again, in the original, it was more of a physical aberration as a result of you know, these issues that had happened from a nuclear holocaust, basically, or a nuclear winter. And then the remaining humans, when they were born, they didn't really have sufficient vocal cords. There had been a mutation in humanity. Uh, it's This one, 
it's harder to kind of reconcile because it seems really fast to just be like, well, now they can't talk. And I think they just threw it in there as a connection to the original more than anything. I did think the idea of showing... It was interesting to have Caesar and his people find those humans who were left to die. Because mm-hmm. it definitely changed the conflict from just being humans versus apes to there's something else going on. And I thought that was kind of a cool thing they have going on. But like, what's really going on with these people? Yeah. Kind of messed up. Well, I think that's what made um, that scene with the colonel so important to the mm. movie. Like, you learned so much about everything. Like, you're like, oh, that's why she can't talk. Oh, yeah. that's why they killed off people. He's fucked up. <laughs> like, like, the colonel, I, I liked him as a character because you kind of get that he's a guy who's thinking the big picture. So, um, um, yes, like, you could see he was a bit crazy because he had to kill his own child. Well, he felt like he had to kill his own child. In the end, he probably didn't have to because everybody was going to, well... We don't know. We we don't know. He if, thinks that you know this is this is something that is contagious and that you have to you have to. The movie stop does this. not debunk his theory. His no. theory could be true. You don't know. No. And the other thing you don't know is all those soldiers from the north. If mm-hmm. none of them are affected, you know, or if they were using medicine to somehow. Well, they, they said that they were they were trying, hoping to find science. So obviously they they knew about this. And they it doesn't just mean they were successful. And oh, absolutely yeah. <laughs> not. It just means that they, they were willing to give it a shot, but they weren't willing to go the kind of scorched earth idea that he was, which was anyone who's infected, kill. Uh, kill everything that's connected to them. Um, I did like the idea that, you know, that he's he feels that he's, again, more religious undertones, that he's been purified in purpose. He knows what he's doing is right. He's had to sacrifice. He demands that sacrifice of others. If they're not willing to do that, screw them, they're dead. Um, only basically... Very much a Darwinian philosophy. Only the strong will survive. If you can, if you get this virus, you don't deserve to survive uh, for the good of the human, human race. And he's very much thinking big picture, which you wouldn't necessarily expect him to. Uh, but he's a guy who's very much believing in a higher power and, and this this bigger ideal. Of course. Um, and then again, I I still thought that season makes was you come. like his character too, though, because yeah. you knew at that point he wasn't just like a, a, a psychopath. No, he was passionate about something that he believed in mm-hmm. and wholeheartedly uh, and the idea that he sacrificed his own son for that ideal makes him scarier because this is a man who will not ever be reasoned with because you would think it's interesting too he taught Caesar for being emotional which is so interesting because he's basically taken emotion and flushed it out of his body because emotion would have gotten in the way of him doing what he knew to be something he had to do for his purpose uh, again, the religious undertones of you know him feeling like he kind of walked through his own crucible and has come out a changed person, but knowing that he has this purpose and this purpose he must satisfy. Otherwise, everything he did was for naught. So everything he did, sacrificing his own son, killing his own men, uh, is all for nothing if he doesn't issue to this this core principle of we must survive humanity is important i must stop these these apes and kill everyone um also um he you could tell he was still uh sympathetic to the apes or maybe he would just wanted to get what he needed which was the wall but he gave them Mm -hmm. food and water after you know caesar Mm -hmm. wasn't backing down from from that request that's true. Um, so it was good to see that, you know, he still, you know, I guess, agree, silently agreed to, <laughs> you know, do that. Yeah, that was interesting, too, because, like, 
He was kind of putting a rock in a hard place there because Caesar's looked up, looked up to as kind of a messianic figure. So if you if you kill him, you make him a martyr. And that's even harder. Yeah. Uh, if you keep him alive, um, that's harder. He causes too. rebellion. He causes rebellion. <laughs> he inspires belief. Um, again, in the original trilogy, in the I'm trying to remember in the fourth movie, I mean, a big part of it is him rebelling. Um, in the fourth movie, the idea, as I said, the there are no dogs and cats. There's just apes now, and the apes have taken over a lot of functions, and they're kind of used like slave labor. And it's Caesar who rallies them against this, and uh, they kind of take back the night, so to speak, and they grab guns and they start to take over. Um, and then eventually leads us to something that goes on later. It's interesting how much of this movie or these movies really crib from the originals and adapt them in new and exciting ways, but modernize them at the same time for you know modern audiences. Uh, you mentioned earlier about the music. Um, you like the music in the film. And I thought it was very interesting because at times it very felt it, it felt like uh, Giacchino was taking elements from the original soundtrack of the original films, which had a very bizarre kind of sense of There was music a lot of them. drum. There was a lot of... So you got some of that in the original, but it's, <laughs> but it's a little bit more 70s or, yeah. like early, or late 60s. Uh, but it felt like he kind of used some of the essentials from those original soundtracks and repurposed them here in new and exciting ways, which I really liked. I just, I loved it. I'm going to rapid fire name three scenes that I really liked okay. in the movie, and some of them are pretty short, and mm-hmm. then I'll uh, we'll see what you think about them. So uh, the opening fight sequence... When all of the apes, uh, when the one went charging out to get the apes on the horses, and then mm. they all came back with the spears, oh, yeah. uh, and then the spears come raining down mm-hmm. after the smoke bombs, that was really well yeah. done. And then fast forward to uh, the end uh, when the escape, called the Great Escape, mm-hmm. uh, the poop throwing. <laughs> oh, that was funny. <laughs> and uh, last but not least, the baby monkeys on the line. Yeah. I I laughed when I saw that. Just like I feel like uh, monkeys in a barrel. Oh, I don't know yeah, if you ever yeah. played that as a child, but uh-huh. it was like very similar to a whole bunch. Like they oh, were yeah. in a barrel, but they're just like going across the yeah, line yeah. to to escape. I felt the humans. I mean, these are soldiers, and you know they sleep through a lot. <laughs> like mm. you you saw them in uh, at least two, maybe three times march in and yeah. you know pledge their allegiance to the colonel. Yeah. There's a lot of people there. How do they not have people seeing the monkeys getting up and doing things? I mean, um, even if you sleep, you're a soldier. You usually wake up for that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, they're in cages. So I don't think they really pay them any mind. Like, yeah. it, like if this is your everyday. You're, you you quickly become um, numb to certain sounds, yeah. right? Apathetic. So, yeah, well, not even apathetic, but just like you just you just don't even notice. Like it, it's kind of like you know, I live in Toronto, and I'm used to certain sounds of the city, and I don't notice it like that the TTC. There yeah, I don't notice them anymore, right? Like if you move out of the city and then you don't have those sounds anymore, like oh shit, where do those or sounds go? Or when you have go? people visiting us here, they're like, how can you sleep at night? Well, exactly, <laughs> well, for sure. Like I, I, I grew up in Toronto and then I went to a smaller town for university and uh, I in my rooms there I never had the sound of the city anymore. I you probably had to play music to go to sleep. I well, I, I watched like Cheers and stuff. But, like, I, I, but yeah, like I got used to needing something to kind of lull me to sleep. Because I just want a small so plug. 
I, I'm from a small community. Okay. But I lived across the street from a railroad track. Okay. And uh, whenever I have uh, people visit the, yeah. where I'm from, uh, which is New Brunswick, plug okay. there, um, they uh, they say, how could you live across from a railroad track? Because the trains come barreling by yeah, and yeah. wakes up the dead. For sure. But I feel like that trained me to live in Toronto. That's a good point. Yeah. No, <laughs> Literally sure. trained me to live in Toronto. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It's funny to be, yeah, you get used to that kind of stuff, right? You don't even think about it after a while. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I felt like the aside from but like that's the why main I think soldiers, they didn't, I, that's why I think they didn't notice. Like the whole, yeah, as you said, the whole great escape sequence. Um, it, you know, it's at night. People aren't really noticing. They're not. They're not used to the apes making a lot of sounds, right? Like, and for the most part, the apes were pretty quiet, just kind of getting out of there. So. I understood how they were able to do that without anyone really noticing. I didn't have any real problems with that. I did really like the, um, the sequence with the uh, soldiers coming in with the night vision into the actual home of the apes for the, like, the secrets of Stronghold. That was bizarre until they explained the whole winter thing, and then like, okay, now I like, how did they get here so fast? Because mm. he like, they literally just finished that mini battle, yeah, yeah, and then. Everybody seemed to be, you know, quieting down for the night. You really didn't know where the movie was headed. True. And then what? Like, like it, it must have been what? Like hours? Like, mm. uh, like eight to fifteen hours afterwards? Was it, was it not surprising to you that the colonel was actually there himself? Yes. Like that seemed like a like a bold move. But like, if you're a military leader, are you really doing that yourself, or are you sending your best guy? Unless you are your best guy, but like that, I mean, that's a certain amount well, of hubris, but for him to, uh, so obviously what happened was, uh, winter, the, the white ape, mm-hmm. um, self-inflicted his wound to make it look like he got attacked by the, uh, mm. I guess donkey. I can't, I don't, he didn't really have a name, the, uh, no. the Koba's man. Yeah. Um, and then he fed the colonel's team that information. Yeah. But that was a, a, a big, uh, I guess, uh, leap of faith that the colonel had that this monkey, this turncoat monkey yeah, was, was giving correct. him valuable intel to the whereabouts of the yeah. leader's Family, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And the fact that he, again, do it himself like that's that's bold, yeah, and not something I would have expected from the character. And I mean, the character is the only one that survived because we saw the apes really take out the rest of the team, yeah. So you're right, actually, he <laughs> is the only one who survived. Um, I like the whole sequence where he's about to take off and like he, him and staring down Caesar, like. Their sequences together were really well done. And it's interesting, too, that Woody Harrelson is not a guy I think of as a villain. I think of him as, I mean, I'm a big fan of Cheers. So yeah. he's on Cheers for <laughs> seven years as, well, hold on, is that right? Hold on. Uh, eight years. He's joining season four. Uh, so he's, I, I think of him still as the lovable Woody Boyd on Cheers. So seeing him as a villain is interesting because uh, I'm just not predisposed to I'm just, of that. Uh, I'm still thinking of him in... Uh uh, the Hunger Games. Cause he, oh, was, yeah. uh, he was a big, a big part of those. Mm. Uh, drunkard, but uh, yes, he was. He, it was a, it was a big uh, difference. Like you could tell, he he was definitely well put together. I'm used to him being a lovable farm boy, not exactly <laughs> a, a murderous colonel. Yeah. Um, I, I really thought he sold the part well because he gave the colonel um, uh, different dimensions. Like he definitely gave him. 
Um, you know, as I said, like he, he didn't feel like a villain to me. He felt like an antagonist, which um, is a big difference. And he was a better antagonist than Gary Oldman in the second one, for sure. <sighs> Gary Oldman was barely an antagonist. Like He was an antagonist for like 10 minutes. Like, yeah. For most of the movie, he was just kind of there. It wasn't until the very end where he was where like, you... I'm going to blow up this shit. What? <laughs> like You understood why he felt that way, but it, it didn't really feel that no, developed. You, you knew that... that uh, that opening, like the first time you got a glimpse of Woody Harrelson's face mm. with all the war paint and everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. or the camouflage, you realize, okay, this is a guy you don't want to mess with. No. And you really wanted to uh, see where this was headed, where this was leading. One thing to jump back to the second movie, um, which is, again, something that was also played up on the TV show Revolution, is the idea that people don't take pictures anymore, so everything's under their devices. So when the power gets restored in the second oh, yeah, movie, yeah. you have Gary Oldman, about. and he, he's looking at his, it, iPad, it his cracked up. iPad, yeah, yeah. and he's able to finally look at pictures of the family yeah. he lost, and he kind of breaks down. Um, and it kind of reminds you of, like, if all the power went out today, how many people would actually have photos of their family to look at? You know what's funny, though, Adam? Mm-hmm. Um, Woody Harrelson, in yeah. the sequence where he was dying or trying to kill himself, he had a regular photo of his son. He did. So Very was, unusual. So I think, um, you know, and he had power because he was listening to music in a true. previous sequence when Caesar was hauled into his location. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was just um, different things, different elements that they were trying mm-hmm. to, to demonstrate. But again, it was a temporary military base. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It makes sense that someone like him would probably have pictures of family because they would only have a few belongings to be able to take with them. Um, so they probably wouldn't necessarily have devices, but they would always be able to have pictures. Uh, so I guess that's probably why he had that photo of his kid. Did you um, understand or how Caesar and his two, uh, I guess, uh, followers mm-hmm. were able to um, kind of... Uh, get to winter so quickly in that temporary military base i mean no. there seemed to be a lot of people there and then they they found him pretty easily and were able to yeah <laughs> you just go with it's just a movie scene it's a movie scene i think you just got to go with it right like i mean how many movies uh like wartime kind of films have we seen with those types of scenes a lot of them so i mean i think but they are supposed to be pretty cunning and pretty i mean for the most part caesar doesn't usually get got uh uh, snuck up on, although he does in this movie a few times. Like when he's, uh, when he first finds one of the apes who are strung up on the cross, not the cross, but basically the cross, yeah. and he breaks him down, then he gets thumped in the back of the head, and that's how he gets captured to begin with. Um, I did think the fact that he got captured at all was not what I expected, which was good. Um, that we got to see him working from captivity, him having to figure out a way to escape, uh, a way to keep alive. I didn't think he was going to get captured the way he what he did like he seemed mm. really surprised really shocked by the the donkey uh cobra man yeah because that's who hit him with the the butt of the rifle oh, for sure yeah. um when he was kind of um in shock that his own people were captured yeah it it, it also kind of surprised me too like at first like really first like it was only for a few seconds i was mm-hmm. like oh is this another tribe of monkeys i thought that too okay yeah, yeah it wasn't just no, me. you're not the only one i was like is this these other intelligent apes because we'd already been introduced to bad ape so the idea that there are others is already out there and yes and it felt like they went the opposite way of all of their colonies so mm-hmm. did they just go in a circle and kind of meet halfway kind of thing 
Um, well, as they said, like, they accidentally found all the apes as they were in transition, and they just captured them all and brought them home. Yeah. Um, it does seem and they like, had vehicles, so they could easily move faster than horses. Exactly. Um, I do like seeing apes on horse. I don't know why. <laughs> it just seems cool, doesn't it? Like, it is, something yeah. weird. Um, although, you know what also is cool? Yeah. Uh, a monkey in boots and a, and a winter jacket. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> hilarious. Like, like uh, you... The, he, that ape really um, made me chuckle, and I don't chuckle a lot at the no. theater, especially not not. This is more of like not a comedy. This is not oh, a no, comedy this is at a all. Serious, war very film. serious movie. And there's then a lot of serious themes going on to about. Take you out of that element, even for like five ten seconds. Mm-hmm. It, it's really interesting. Interesting to choice to add some levity because, and like, there's a, f- a few sequences where he just kind of slowly says something, and you're like. What? Oh, it's like don't touch that! Don't touch that! Wait, wait! You can touch that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he was he was a funny comic relief, but he still added something to the story, and I think that's why we forgive it because I think if he was pure comic relief and didn't actually add anything to the development of what was going on, I think we'd be like, I think we'd have a different conversation. I think we'd be like, well, that was needless. But the fact that we got this kind of fun character who still added something to the overall development, I think it mattered more. He wasn't annoying. No. So I didn't. He could get, have been. He could have been. Um, I mean, like Steve Zahn. He could have been annoying. <laughs> no, but like I did get like the moment they unveiled that he was a chimp or an ape. Uh, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you know, where are we going? Here? I didn't see like, that coming. I didn't either. No, oh. I thought it was like a, a potentially a sibling of mm-hmm. the girl that yeah. had followed them yeah, yeah. somehow and was trying to. Yeah, that's not what I expected from that whole sequence. But when they find someone stealing from them and they jump down and they go after him. And I like that too, that the idea that there's an intimacy to a horse chase that you don't get in a car chase. Mm-hmm. Because like they're really close behind them. But in terms of like And when the horse comes up, back with no rider, yeah. it's like, what's going on here? Well exactly. <laughs> but there's just something to the whole intimacy of the entire movie that uh the apes don't they travel on horseback, so like everything seems I don't know, at a much more grounded level than having cars. Um, and there was some good scenes. Like I, I liked the. Um, it was one of the first. Maybe it was after they got the. Just after they got the girl, but they were on the beach on the horses mm-hmm. and everything. It was just like a really, you know, like uh, yeah. moving or powerful scene of mm-hmm. them. You know, they had a long journey to go. They did, and then it started snowing. <laughs> yeah, and the snow was a great choice from a visual effect because, like, it shows how intricate the animation can be when you have like the snow oh, yeah. on season I never thought of that yeah. you know like it just it looks so good and they like, really wanted a challenge in this movie They, I think they did <laughs> and uh, again Caesar like looks so lifelike you forget you're watching something that's computer animated um, that they've had to you know build and develop uh, you actually think you're watching this because it's so b- believable um, it's just so lifelike that you forget and that's that's what you want from any any kind of animation that it takes you to a place where you think you're actually watching what you're watching. Um, bad animation is where you're still very cognizant of this. So, would do you uh, think that the movie uh, should have ended with him dying? Um, hmm. I think. Well, on, on the one hand, yes, because that way. We know definitively that if we have any other movies set in this universe, he will not be a protagonist and won't be surprised about it. So I think that's okay. Um, I was sad that he died because 
and this is because I'm a parent. I wanted him to have some more time with his son. So that's very like, that got me from an emotional standpoint, like being a father and seeing him being challenged as a father and wanting to look out for his son. Uh, that definitely resonated with me, with me a lot. To me, it was uh, it was just a bittersweet ending. Like they had just come so far. They had just done so mm-hmm. much. So they'd been through so much. And, and then, you know, but then it was kind of fitting. It's like, okay, you know, you did everything that you possibly yeah. could. But then at the same point, I was just like, who's going to lead them now? True. <laughs> From a writing standpoint, you want to have a character like this where they do what they have to do to survive, to protect the people until they're safe and then they die. Um, this year on Wolverine. Yeah. Or Logan. Actually, yeah. yeah. Logan as well. Um, this year in uh, Grey's Anatomy, my wife and I watched Grey's Anatomy and they had a character who the entire finale was trying to protect this little girl. There was a fire. There was an explosion in the hospital and she was basically going to die. And at the end, they did not kill off the character, but they definitely wrote her out and that she's not going to be a doctor anymore and she won't be on the show anymore. And I was like, that felt like a wasted opportunity because it definitely felt like she did everything she could to keep this girl alive. And then when she finally gets help and that girl's going to live, it felt like that's when you kill off the character. From a writing standpoint, that just makes sense. And it felt like it took away when they let this character survive, but still write her out in such a weird, ham-fisted way at that point. So I like that they let... You know, Caesar die in a very regal manner that, you know, he was, he was, he wanted to protect his people. And the fact that Maurice kind of called him on the fact that do you, you're doing something for you, vengeance, yes. yeah. and not for protecting people. More like people. Koba. Yeah. Yeah. And so at the end, he protects his people but and, and puts it above his own safety and his own, like, maybe they could have gotten him treated. Maybe they could have done something. He didn't want anyone to know about it. He just wanted to protect his people, be Moses. And then the minute they get them to the promised land, he dies. Um, and I found that very affecting, and I think that's kind of the way you need to end this. I think you need to close the door on Caesar's story and open it up to be anyone else's. Yeah, and um, uh, I think we're seeing more of this. Like, 2017, we've mm-hmm. had you know Caesar, uh, Logan, and then uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, uh, the character... Oh, yeah, Michael Rooker's character, yes. Yondu. Yondu, uh, also, you know, you kind of felt bittersweet about, like, Mm. him dying. But then again, it kind of, like, the nobleness of what he did or what he lived through to do that. So I think, you know, maybe there's other examples in previous years, but it's definitely a strong theme in a lot of the writing today. So let me ask a question. Do you want to see another Planet of the Apes movie? If Caesar's dead, which he is... Do you want to see another movie or another exploration in this world, or do you think that's kind of done? Um, uh, I really like Caesar. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think that's why I like number three so much is because mm-hmm. it was a lot of him. Like mm-hmm. um, the second one was kind of um, you know more Koba's development um, and the humans. The and humans the humans took up a lot more of the actual development. Whereas here, we didn't get a lot of Porter Harrelson. Like we nope. got. Just enough to be effective, just enough for me to really understand him as a character. But we weren't being drawn into another world of humans. Like and he was really one. the only one. Like there was the oh, the, yeah. the one uh, that got let go. The guy with the crossbow. Yeah, 
But there was no development of him. And the girl, and the girl. But and the girl. yeah, but other than that, there was very little human uh, development. Uh, for the character. last one, we had uh, what was it? Clark. Uh, we had uh, the girl, uh, Kara Felicity, Russell, Kara Russell. You had the kid, <laughs> and you also had Gary Oldman. Like, and you had the, their whole kind of team as well, right? Um, so there was you also had the of, development of the apes, like more of Maurice, more of Koba, sure. more of um, Caesar's son, because mm-hmm. you you felt like Caesar's son was going to betray him in number two a lot. Yeah, for sure. Because um, like the Lion King, that's the Lion still King. such a huge affecting moment for me is when Koba kills the son. It's Ash, just yeah, so heartbreaking. Yeah. Like when that happened, I remember being, I remember a dad, being in the yeah. theater when that happened. <laughs> well, I wasn't even a dad at the. Well, actually, no, I was. I, I was a dad at the time. I don't think I was new thinking dad. that way. Yeah. I was a relatively new dad. But uh, when that happened, I was just like, "Holy shit!" Like that was just so crazy emotional. I. Not only was it his son, but just the idea that he's killing another ape and the, what this means to the others and the fact that this is what prompted Blue Eyes to kind of be like, you know, Cope is not right. Uh, was so interesting. But, like, each movie has touched me in an interesting emotional way. And I've been at a different point in my life each time. Like, the first movie came out in 2011. 11, 14, 17. Yeah, so three years between each movie. I know, movie. because I just watched all three. <laughs> That's true. It's 2011. I didn't have a kid. 2014, I had... Little my, kid. My son was almost a year old. And now my son's almost four. So it's interesting. And you're seeing the development of the characters within that kind of prism of me being a father now and me thinking about things a little differently. Very interesting. Yeah, it was probably uh, touching when um, um, Caesar saw his son, who was going Mm -hmm. bananas, uh, to be with him, but he was in a cage. And I felt really worried because I thought uh, the colonel was going to pick up, hey, there's a connection because this one monkey is making a ton of noise. Yeah. And I kind of thought, oh, please don't pull him out and, like, do something. I'm glad they didn't go there. I am glad they didn't go there, too. Well, I I don't think they needed to because we already had the loss of his wife and son. Yeah. So, you know, so in terms of sticking it to your main character, he'd already been through the ringer enough. And, again, I love the journey that Caesar goes through here is that having to balance vengeance with this... This um, this fear of becoming Koba. Yeah. The idea that the specter of Koba is over everything he does. Um, the, even Koba, even though Koba is dead, and that was the right thing for him to do to protect the apes, is that that will never go away. This it's like the stain on his life that he can't quite clean off. You know that this character had was who is a friend, a best friend, someone he's very close with and trusted implicitly, uh, became such a villain and someone he couldn't trust because of his own experiences with humans. And now he's so afraid of becoming that person. And I love that they kept using ideas like he would be barely in and out of consciousness and would see Koba. Koba. So cool. Yeah. Like, and again, and it felt very much earned. Like The last movie made it so that we understood why Koba meant something to him. And I, I, again, he was his best friend. That's what makes it so hard in the second movie. And that's what makes it here even harder. Is that he was his best friend who fell from grace in his eyes, became something bad, and now he's afraid he's going to become that as well. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean for him? And dealing with the loss of his family, like, they really put Caesar through the ringer. Like, yeah. crazy. Oh, well, um, yeah. And- he said multiple times, I wish I did this by myself. Mm-hmm. And you 
you appreciate Maurice's character because he kind of grounded Caesar a few mm-hmm. times in this movie. Oh, for sure. Um, or just kind of made a subtle comment that maybe at the time Caesar didn't appreciate, mm-hmm. but later on, yeah. like when he was pulling, like cocking the gun to almost kill the colonel, yeah, yeah, yeah. you could tell, no, I'm, I'm not going to do this. No, for sure. And again, those moments are long. Like, like even the the scene with um, the colonel having the gun at um, Caesar's head. Like, I was like, obviously they're not going to kill him. There's at least an hour left. Um, But like, it still made you wonder, like, what the hell's going to happen right now? Like, it was. It felt very powerful. And again, the imagery looks so good, and you believe it. You believe that that Woody Harrelson is really about to kill this ape, this ape that you somehow care about, that you have been taught and. Uh, instructed to empathize with and love and and you don't want him to get hurt. Um, it really says something about the storytelling when you buy in so completely to believing in these characters. Again, there is not an actual ape on set, but you believe that he's there anyway. And you want him to be right. You want him to survive. You want him to live. And when he doesn't live at the very end, it's sad and bittersweet because he did what he was meant to do. Yeah. He was supposed to bring his people to the promised land he was supposed to bring them away from human strife, and he did that. Uh, he got them to where they needed to be, but that, that was as far as his journey was going to go. Some of the imagery that I really uh, liked is that after that scene with the colonel, the colonel takes his own life, mm. um, his men finally open up and uh, mm. get into the, the top uh, office or what yeah. have you. Um, when Caesar flies over the ledge and then hobbles onto the American flag that's oh. burning on yeah. fire... I was like, whoa, like that's uh, very symbolic. Like, uh, <laughs> Were you surprised that the colonel went out the way he did, like, that he had that disease and then that's why he so, died? You know what? Um, no, I wasn't because the scene happened so fast. Mm. Like I was a little uh, perplexed why, okay, there's war going on. Like the war north had arrived. Where's the colonel? Why are his men like? Yeah. No, like, why is the door locked? Why can't they get in there? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Caesar, you, like, you knew he hadn't arrived yet because mm-hmm. he was obviously going there with the intention to kill him. Yeah. Because um, he said that to his. Uh, what was the other monkey's name? Like, uh, I, I don't know. It's yeah. so terrible. I don't he he did say it at one point. Yeah. Um, but I do, like Luca, I think, or something. Luca. Was it Luca? I think it, it was, was Luca. One yeah. of them was Luca. Yeah. Maybe it might have the gorilla, but one of them was Luca for sure. Yes. And I anyway, think it was the gorilla. Yeah. But um, regardless, he said, no, I got to do this. Yeah. But he wasn't, it was too soon. And then you saw like, like, like trashed area and everything. Yeah. And I still didn't realize that, uh, the Colonel had succumbed to the, uh, the state second Why stage. Why was the Colonel like bloody in the face? Um, I think that's a symbol that he was, uh, up, like he was, uh, hitting himself. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Self-inflicted wounds. Okay. Um, you know, he was uh, drinking heavily. Yeah. Um, mourning his son so obviously through a ton of emotional pain and then he was just taking it out on himself that his his voice was gone yeah like he could no longer lead his team and he knew this was gonna happen and he all he he took away his life like his family everything was gone for this higher purpose higher purpose only to to exactly so it all meant nothing yeah it all meant nothing because then he would... And he understood he needed to die too, right? Like, Yeah. And also he didn't want to live this way. He didn't want to be subject to living, going through this, this de-evolution because of this virus. 
I, I, I didn't expect them to die that way. Nah, well, was this satisfying? Because obviously, like, it's not really satisfying to Caesar, because, I mean, Caesar went there for vengeance, and he came away without that. And he gave, again, and how do you view him not killing the colonel? Is it... That was the right thing to do. And it's was what it? I would, it was the thing I would expect Caesar to do. Yeah, but here's the thing, right? Because, and it's... And that's why I almost think that if he had said, I'm killing you in mercy, would have been okay. Because he understands that this is, this is something terrible happening to this man who doesn't want this to have happened. He sacrificed his own family or his own son because this was happening to him. That I almost thought he would have killed him. Just, But again, signifying that it wasn't out of vengeance, that it was out of mercy because of what he was becoming. Um, uh, that, that, that seemed really kind of... It conflicted. It conflicts me because, yeah, I think he should have killed him. Um, but I guess it's hard in a movie to be able to distinguish why someone's killing someone. When the entire movie, Sierra said, I want to kill him because of X. That to be able to make us believably say that it's because he killed him because of Y, it might be harder. To me... It was the right move to do because it was more like the way Caesar wanted things to be. He wanted to peace. What if he had handed him the gun? Maybe. Because then it's very clear he's letting the colonel choose his own path. Whereas here he didn't. He put the gun back, obviously thinking that the colonel was going to choose it. But he didn't again... It's almost like it could have gone either way. um, You say that, but he also put it back giving the colonel an opportunity to shoot him first. Yeah, well, that's and, true. And the colonel... But he walked into the room, didn't he? Because then when, cause when when the colonel shoots himself, isn't Caesar in a different room and he hears it? Yeah, but uh, my the colonel, there was a second... So he, so he walked away, so I don't think he ever thought that he was ever going to be in any real danger anyway. Yeah, I don't think so. Like, I just think if he had handed the colonel the gun, I may have appreciated that more than him just putting it in the holster. I was... One way or the other, it didn't, it didn't matter. What I mm. wanted Caesar to do is not kill him because I felt like that was the noble thing to do only because he didn't want this war. Yeah. In, the, in the second movie, he knew that... But Col- if he killed Col- him out of mercy, I guess that's, that's what I'm yeah. stuck on, right? Okay. Like if they had very clearly delineated that this was not... The Caesar who showed up in the room, which was full of vengeance, yeah. was not the Caesar who left. No. And I guess if they had... He transformed. Allowed, Yes, and I think if they had let him kill him in in a way that very clearly showed us to the viewer that it was out of mercy, not vengeance. But I guess that's hard to do, and maybe clumsy if he just says it, right? So I guess that's why they had to let the colonel be able to take his own life and make it his own choice, uh, and that Caesar didn't kill him out of vengeance. But I don't know. I, I guess I'm sophisticated enough a viewer to be like, I get that if he kills him, it's not out of vengeance. But I guess in a movie, it's hard to do it that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Very good movie. Yeah. Like, again, I, I still remember going to see Rise of the Planet of the Apes. So, obviously, as you know, I have a backstory with the Planet of the Apes movie. So, yeah. of course, I was going to go see it. And I really enjoyed it. And um, I actually will say I've broken with tradition. Uh, the last two movies I saw with my brother-in-law. And he has a newborn, and I fig- and he's also suffering from uh, strep throat, so I knew he would not be able to see this movie. So I've <laughs> broken from tradition and seen it with someone else. 
Uh, he is also not a podcaster, so he would not have podcasted about this. Ah, okay. Um, but uh, oh, these were these were really solid three films. This is your first podcast on a Planet of the Apes movie. No, I did a solo <laughs> last time. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. three years ago, I uh, I sat down and was like, "Well, I'm doing this. This yeah. is happening." Yeah. Obviously, I didn't know you well. Hopefully, I contributed to this uh, well enough. <laughs> well, I know you do in a big way because uh, you're someone who has no con- connection with the originals, which is yeah. really interesting because again i at times was like oh really come on seriously because of the shutters to the original and the fact that they were reappropriating certain elements from the original so i like that you don't have any of that baggage so you can just enjoy it for it i'd is. say this only because i've recently saw the movies mm-hmm. you'll appreciate this one more if you've seen the first two. Oh yeah don't see this if you haven't seen them yeah but i think there's still appreciation of this story but i think you'll you just you'll like Caesar a lot more. You'll mm. get to know him a lot more if you know the backstory. Like they really try to cram it in the, the opening sequence with all the comments at the beginning to say what has happened. So how did you feel about that? Because I both liked and hated them. Because I thought on the one hand I loved that they gave a quick summary of both, and then they bolded the main word in the that, title. That's where I was like, really, like, come on, rise, dawn, war, right? Like, I mean, like I, I get what they did it, and it was a nice thing to do in a way of kind of prefacing the movie but it was, it was like filler for two minutes it felt very on the nose though it's like <laughs> hey 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 guess the name of our movies is we bolded this this uh this adjective or this word and i was like that doesn't need to be there um i get why they did it and, and again it was a way of kind of pulling the trilogy close um what a great trilogy like you know yeah. like I, I think the critics are right that this is uh, a third act that felt just as worthy as the last two. It added something new. Um, it really made you care about these characters, and it didn't feel like an overblown spectacle. It felt very, again, earned. Um, everything felt very natural. It, I don't think anything really happened in these movies, and in this movie in particular, that felt uh, out of left field or kind of sporadic. It just felt like this is a natural extension of where the last two movies have gone, and I like how it ended. Yeah, you kind of had a sense of where things were headed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were rooting for the apes as they were trying to escape and, and, mm-hmm. and everything. And you get that in the end. Yeah. Um, and So many different genres of film in this, course, right? Yeah. It's a war film. It's an escape film. It's a, uh, it's a sci-fi film. It's, it's all these different things kind of thrown together in a, in a blender, in a, but it works. Um, and you forget, again, you forget it's apes. You will say like a western in a case, but the horseback riding. Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely, it has a big western feel because again, it's it's it feels everything feels more intimate. Well, actually, it's not horseback. just the horses, but yeah, like the world has changed, so it's kind of like mm. a throwback to the days where technology did not really exist, and mm. technology did exist in this case for sure. The other thing that um, actually almost took me back a little when you had. The military with our night vision and everything because it's again oh it yeah that seemed very very different from where we'd been in the last two movies actually that's that's a very good point it's um very uh futuristic compared mm-hmm. to everything but they did mention that the base that they had were was on a, a weapons uh, cache yes yeah. so maybe they had you know mm-hmm. a lot of uh, you know, just uh, options when mm-hmm. it came to uh, fuselage yeah. and everything. I did like that we got, again, more sense of how this world had developed through Bad Ape. The idea of him telling about the human zoo, uh, what had happened at the human zoo. So, I mean, you, 
again, it added to this overall tapestry of this world. How we got here, it's not just the events in the movie, but the idea that there's a greater world beyond it. And uh, it makes me curious about what that world looks like. Like, And so if they did end up exploring that in other avenues and uh, doing a non-Caesar-centric story, I'd be okay with that because there's a big world to explore. But, uh, uh, sorry, uh, just... Uh, the western feel like mm-hmm. even like the campfire scene and like just oh, like yeah. you're, you're traveling like um oh sorry this is where i was going with this um because of the post-apocalyptic i guess mm-hmm. feel to this movie mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of product placement yet no. there i got a chuckle when they walked by this uh busted coca-cola uh transport just yeah. in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and then chevy nova oh, obviously but that was it. Like there wasn't like a lot of product yep. placement, which true. you and see in a lot of movies these days. That's true. And again, the Chevy Nova was specifically just to give her the name Nova, which so, I did not know. So I was okay with that. Um, if you want to see really bad product placement, watch Power Rangers. Really? Uh, yeah, the oh, new one? yeah, yeah. There's a. <laughs> It's a ridiculous product placement for Krispy Kreme donuts. Like, <laughs> like they very specifically keep saying Krispy Kreme a few times. Um, a, a major plot point unfolds at the Krispy Kreme donuts. Um, so that's pretty bad. Um, usually in most product placements, you kind of, you, know, you forget about them or they're relatively innocuous. But this one was just like hammering it over your head. Well, even uh, the alcohol that the colonel was drinking was uh, unlabeled. So there wasn't anything yeah. there. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like, I don't know, like, it just got proved that like uh, nothing had been going on in the world for a very long time. True. Didn't they feel like in some ways that they should have run out of supplies by now though? Even if they had been situated on a weapon on a weapons cache. Like it's been enough years that they haven't had probably new product come in. So like and they still haven't run out. Like they still have all the stuff. They still have the power to have like this whole base you're getting you know, buzz cuts so some something's uh, right like where, where's the power coming from well no um, he's shaving his head so yeah. I mean, like that's fine but like who's getting the shaving gel <laughs> okay fair enough but I mean yeah, I was thinking razors he could always be using yeah, razors I think he was using a knife was he using a knife yeah he was using like this big like <laughs> I tell you you know Woody Harrelson if you watch his original appearances on Cheers etc you would never think jump. Yeah, you would never think that he would ever be able to pull off being a, a villain of any kind. But he does such a good job here. And again, he adds depth to this guy. Like, you believe in this guy. Like, yeah. there's, there's, uh, you see why he's an antagonist and why he's kind of gone crazy. But you also see that there's something good that did exist underneath that before that. He was a father who went through an unspeakable horror. That his son was... Lost the ability to speak. And was becoming more native, right? Like, more primitive. And the idea that, like, what do you do? And the idea that he gave his son mercy. uh, That his son would have wanted that. And that he he let his son escape this horrible thing. And again, as a father, that really said something to me uh, and spoke to me. Because I'm like, oh my God, what would I do in that situation? Like, I don't know. Um, My son's a jerk half the time, but I would never want... He's yeah. a good guy. He's a, he's a pretty good guy. Um, so, like, so, and as a father, I definitely anything like that. When you have a father figure, or, or actual father and or a child, I definitely respond differently to it than I would have years ago. So, if you were ranking the three movies in the trilogy, how would you rank them? And uh, from 
I think so, yeah. Rise, they're such different films, so it's mm-hmm. really hard because they're not all, they're not very similar to each other. I mean, Rise is so different from this one. I would say Rise is probably my favorite, but just because um, from a character perspective, it does a lot more. Um, and you really feel for both James Franco's character and mm-hmm. Caesar, um, so I, I, and the dad. Like John Lithgow does an amazing job as he the did. dad with, yeah. the, with the Alzheimer's. So I think I would, I would like Rise the most. Um, I think the this one's one, close. I think this is number two. I think yeah. it's, I think it was better than the last. It one. was, yeah, definitely. Dawn is definitely three on my list. I don't. This is unfair, but I'm not a huge fan of Jason Clark. Jason Clark was the would play Malcolm in the last movie. So he was the main human protagonist. I just don't like him as an actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't work for me. He played John Connor in uh, Terminator Genesis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he wasn't that good in that either. Uh, well, that, that movie had a lot of other problems besides <laughs> him. Um, but this movie felt like it had a stronger sense of identity of what it wanted to be. Um, whereas the last movie didn't quite have that. It was still a very good movie. I'd say both, all three movies are very good. I just happen to think that this one was better than the last. And if I was to rank them, again, even if Rise is just barely ahead of the other, it's still ahead, but it's barely. like I think there's such a solid trilogy. There's not. I wouldn't say that any of them is really weak or necessarily bad. I'd just say Dawn is probably my least favorite, but... Not because it's a bad movie. It's still, it's just not quite as good as the rest. Yourself? Yeah, I'd say that would be my uh, my uh, uh, ranking as well. Um, this one was very close to the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the first one a lot. I like this one a lot, but for different reasons. Yeah. I do think that Dawn suffered as well because they had that kind of weird sequence, which I understood why they included it, where they go back to his original home from the original didn't really need to be there though. Like it felt like a will. Like really, you. He could have healed anywhere. He could have gone anywhere, right? <laughs> and of course, he had to go there, and he had to like find mementos of of his past life, and it felt a little bit more shoehorned um, and not as naturalistic as it could have been. It didn't. He didn't need to go to his original home. Yeah. Well, they they did it. They made it right in this one, <laughs> for sure. Uh, so, how would you rate this out of five? Out of five, uh, how many monkey paws? How many? I was going to say banana, banana peels. Oh, banana peels. Okay, we could do that. I would say uh, probably like a four, six, four, seven. Have you ever watched the movie uh, Oz the Great and Powerful? Uh, the latest, uh, yeah, yeah, I have with James with, Franco. With, with James yeah, Franco. Yeah, 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 I liked it. Um, I only bring that up because there's that sequence where um, James Franco and the Zach Braff uh, yes. um, voiced monkey, and he's like, don't you like uh, bananas or something like that? He's like, yeah. what? You, you know, you, just because I'm a monkey, I have to like that? He's like, oh, you don't like them? Of course I do. And, uh, I just always like that. I don't know why I bring that up. Yeah, but, that's good. Uh, I, I would give this like a you know, four, four and a half out of five. I think it was a very solid finale, which we don't always get and um the last long movie it didn't feel that way no it was 140 (laughs) minutes it doesn't feel that way it goes by pretty quickly and it doesn't suffer from what a lot of third movies do which is you have a an overly long third act where all the action kind of happens but it just kind of goes on and on and on and here that was not the case there was so much character building throughout the film and then when you have the great escape slash you know the uh the other military fighting the main military um, it felt very, very quick. I found um, 
they found ways to mm-hmm. write in ways to wipe out a lot of things at the same time. Like the yes. tanker exploding took out the whole wall with all the yes. colonel's men. Mm-hmm. And then the avalanche took out all the, the army from the north. Yeah, it's like each time they kind of make you think, like, how are they going to get through this? And like, well, don't worry about that. We can take care of that. Yeah. So uh, I'm interested to see if we do get another film in this universe where where it takes place, first of all. If they do it again, it'll definitely be probably fast forward 15, 20 years and it'll be Caesar's son. I would feel that that would be... If what, they do it, probably. Probably, where yeah. they'll go. I don't think they would ever do a shot-for-shot remake of the original uh, having t- like someone from the past kind of discovering this world, but I'm interested to see what that would look like in a modern context. Um, now that we've been able to see how the universe has changed. Um, again, the originals are very near and dear to my heart. Um, I like that they, these films went in a very different direction uh, and were able to do their own thing while still keeping true to the premise. Um, and again, don't watch the Tim Burton version. Done. Actually, I feel like you should. All right. Uh, as much as I'm like, I'm very. I'm going to propose. Is that them. the Marky Mark? Uh, yeah, Marky Mark. He's yeah. not. He's not bad in it, but it's a very. It's a very early two thousands Marky Mark. Um. The problem with that movie is more... It has some... I don't even want to watch uh, this year, 2017, Transformer Marky Mark. Uh, well, fair enough. But the original one has such an interesting idea of science um, in terms of... Uh, like Whenever I think of that movie, I want to think about how the timeline works. But then there is some stuff in the very end which doesn't make sense. But if you ever watch it, we'll talk about it. Um, because it's, it's, again, much more sci-fi and the idea of uh, how time travel works. Whereas this movie doesn't worry about that. It's about genetic engineering. It's about much more basic stuff. It's not about crazy time travel. Yeah, if anything, I feel like everything is more, uh, not primitive in the sense of apes, but more mm-hmm. like there's just less for them to, to leverage or use because mm-hmm. technology has really gone to the wayside. Yeah, because the first one's very much like there's an ape and they end up kind of, again, time traveling. Like, if anything, um, the second movie really went nowhere like the second movie the mm. whole the whole conquest of the second uh, movie was to get power yeah. and they didn't really use a lot of it in this movie like obviously they must be using it somehow because they're they have hmm. some type of thing it does make you wonder what happened to san francisco mm-hmm. you know because that's what the last movie was about and the first two movies really yeah, well, yeah, you're absolutely right. So now San Francisco is not really where the apes were concerned no. about. And how far away from their original kind of habitat did they end up moving to after the second movie? Because they knew that the military was going to come gunning for them. So how quickly did they establish a new base? And, I mean, that's those are questions we'll never get answered, but it's curious. Because, like, we, ha- we were so centered in San Francisco, and now we're obviously somewhere different. Well, um from the ending of movie two to mm-hmm. the beginning of this one, did the apes, the apes moved again, right? They did. They, well, they moved into the, cause their old home was destroyed yeah. because Koba set it on fire. Yeah, right. Okay. So they had to move anyway. The, the, the ch- women and children were in hiding. Yeah. Okay. Um, so as t- we're guessing. And that, with this movie, they move a third time. So yeah, they did. But they seem pretty good at the end of this movie. Oh yeah. They seem pretty <laughs> good. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I'm curious how many women survived. Because we only see a handful of them. I mean, um, there's a lot of monkeys traveling across the desert in that scene. Well, and <laughs> I guess that's the big thing, too, is that like in the original movie, we had Caesar expose other people to the, to the aerosol um, virus, basically. And they became smart. 
And so by the second movie, they had a very large community. Was it all through breeding or was it also other... Like, they never actually explained if it was other apes who had been exposed to this elsewhere through the simian flu. Now, this movie very clearly stated that other simians were affected. They did get smarter. They did develop speech. But that was something the last movie didn't... That's still foggy to me why some monkeys or some apes uh, talk more than others. Like, um, I assumed it was always difficulty. It was just more like it was, it was not practice. unnatural. And, yeah. and it was something that, like when Caesar talks, it never necessarily felt easy. It always felt like he was kind of almost grunting through it, like it was unnatural. Um, he seems to have got the down pat now. Fairly. But I think the only, the only ape that really felt like it was super easy was uh, Bad, Bad Ape, ape. Yeah. because that was all he knew. He didn't know the sign language. He didn't know this other language. And maybe that's why he knows it so well is that because he said no one to talk to either, right? No. But he knows English so well. So I'm curious how that worked. Um, Probably talk to himself. Probably. He's crazy enough. Yeah. All right. So, sorry, you said out of five, you gave it a what? Uh, 4.6. 4.6? Yeah, I gave it a good one. Is that okay? I'll allow it. Okay. Usually, right. usually we do like you know four, four point five, five. Not usually four point six. Oh, oh wow, it's okay. Uh, four point five. I say four and a half. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a really solid movie. Um, I'm interested in watching it again just to see what I missed because I think there was a lot going on that at times it's very easy to miss things, especially with the world building that they do. But uh, yeah, no, it was a really good movie. Uh, very I solid. I feel like the writer director um, they tried really hard to kind of not even make a connection to the original trilogy, mm-hmm. which I had no idea was going on, yeah. but make a connection with the previous two movies in this trilogy. Yeah, it felt like a good payoff. You know, like, you can't really end a trilogy without making sure that you're wrapping up threads from the first two movies. And this felt like a very natural conclusion to Caesar's journey. Uh, from him, his early developments in Rise, to him... Uh, learning how to be a leader through adversity in Dawn to now having to deal with the loss of family. And He's battle-tested in this one. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, for sure. And again, the big question that Maurice puts to him is, are you doing... And this is something that he kind of chided Koba about before, was that how do you separate what's good for you versus what's good for the apes? The apes yeah. And Koba very clearly was out for Koba, not yeah. for apes, and that's what Caesar calls him on. And here he's kind of having to deal with that himself, was that... You know, he wants to make sure everything is his people are protected, but at the same time, he wants his own personal vengeance, which is a very Copa thing to do. Um, no, it was it was really entertaining. Cool. So that's our that's I think our our last movie discussion for the summer. Um, yeah. Next time we'll reconvene. We have a big event coming up in like six sessions. Is, yeah, very soon we'll have 500. episode five hundred. Congratulations! Yeah. Thank really. you. Early congratulations. I will accept it. Um, yeah, no, it's crazy to believe that I've almost been in this five years, almost 500 episodes, which is crazy. Uh, that's a lot of hours. Enjoying it? Uh, yeah, I'm still enjoying it. Um, I might go through a format change after episode 500. I'm not sure yet. I've been doing two episodes a week for basically five years, and I might start to change that. I might not do reviews anymore. Um, that's a weekly thing. Like this? Thing. Like for movies? Or no, no, comic comics. Books. I may not do comics because uh, I find that uh, for the last little while, um, 
I used to do the reviews episodes. So comics come out on Wednesday. I don't know if you know this. So comics come out on a Wednesday. And I used to do the reviews episode on the following kind of Sunday. And then at, over the years, it kind of got pushed to maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. So basically, Overlap. by the time new comics were coming out, I was talking about the comics that came out the, the week before. In the last month, I've just been so busy with work and life that I was actually not getting them out until maybe a week and a half after the books were coming out. And I'm like, well, is there even really a point of doing this anymore? Um, so I'm thinking that maybe I'll start taking a break from doing reviews episodes and maybe just focus on the non-review stuff. But I don't know. I've, I've been so set into this two episodes a week for five years that it's very hard to break that cycle. And uh, people do listen to it, not as many as that listen to the non-review stuff, but um, some very very... Unsure about what. I'm sure you'll get some commentary if uh, people are still listening at this point. <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't know. Like again, after five. Tell Adam what you want to hear, guys. For sure, after five years, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do because I know I've had some people say like, you know, like I like the reviews, but it's not what I listen to the show for. I like the other stuff. I like the interviews with the creators. I you like, like shenanigans. They, they like shenanigans. All absolutely. Right. <laughs> but I've also had some other people who have said that they've picked up certain books because of what I said in the reviews episode, and that kind of makes me feel nice. So uh, I'm not really sure what I'll do. We'll have to see. I part of me thinks well, I look forward to this new era post 500. I don't know. It might be exactly the same. So, uh, but yeah, 500 episodes. But, uh, so October, November till the next movie ever. Uh, the next movie review episode. So actually, you brought you made me think that maybe I'll do something different. So September, there's the new Kingsman movie. Ah, uh, I want to see this. So I haven't seen it, the original. But because it obviously has its roots in comic books, there is a precedent to have it on to do a reviews episode. So if you want to see Kingsman in theaters, uh, if you enjoy and want you to see will, it on opening day. You will day, definitely get both of us out to the theater. Okay, so we might do that one. Um, that'll be September, so that'll be a reviews episode uh, of that. And then otherwise, uh, November is Justice League as well as um, Thor. the new Thor movie. And then in December, we have the new Star Wars movie. So uh, we have three more kind of spotlight movies for the awesome. for this year. And next year's crazy with Marvel movies. There's Black, Pan- Man. Black Panther, Ant Man, Avengers, yeah. um, and Looking that's just the, that's just the kind of the big stuff. Some there's other also, Star Wars, right? Uh, there's always a Star Wars movie every year in December. Um, I think there's also uh, is there a DC movie next year? I think there is. I know there's an X Men movie. I think X Men Dark Phoenix comes out next year. So there's a lot of stuff we'll be doing. Good. Um, but yeah, so so you might get to hear Todd in only a couple months if we do a Kingsman episode. Um, Until and, then, uh, keep up with your shenanigans. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like the show on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and you can also listen to us on Stitcher. Uh, thanks again. Our next episode, three, uh, I guess, sorry, 496, will be our conversation... Well, yes, but all right. Oh, Specifically, yes. it's okay. Our next episode will be episode 496, uh, non-reviews anyway, with uh, Mike Mertz. He's the current editor-in-chief of Aftershock Comics. He, uh, If you've read a comic from the big two in the last 20 years, you've read something he's uh, edited. He's a really accomplished editor. We had a great conversation a couple days ago. Um, we hope to have him back on the show in a little while. He talked about uh, some of the early stuff he did with Marvel, as well as obviously his, his current output with Action. Aftershock Comics really interesting guy can't wait to have him on the show again to talk about his uh, time editing the Batman books but that's going to be a great episode coming out on uh, what is today the 14th so I guess that'll be coming out on the 21st of July Uh, but without further ado we will say goodbye for today and we will catch you next time bye 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 bye